Today on the Arts Report, we're telling you about uh, Rumble's production of Snowman. As well, we're talking to the Bar Brothers, which are on tour right now and coming to Vancouver. We'll also review the Sigur Ross uh, film, Ini, Ini, and uh, we'll also tell you about Skins and Steel, a celebration of Afro-Caribbean culture. So stay with us. Oh, and books, of course, too. Stay with us. Hello, and welcome to the Arts Report for Wednesday, November the 2nd, 2011. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and this is the Arts Report. Did I say that already? Your weekly fix of arts and culture news and interviews on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at citr.ca and subsequently available as podcast as well on citr.ca. Hey, we've got a lovely, lovely show for you today uh, with a wide range of content from theater to film to books and, uh, and live multicultural events. Ha! I think uh, as far as shows go, I think we've, uh, we've really nailed it this week, folks. I'm not, you know, I know that sounds a little arrogant, but uh, I think we've got a good show for you. <laughs> All right, now I'm just being a goofball. Um, so, as I said at the top, we'll tell you about um, Snowman, which is a play that's coming from Rumble uh, Rumble Productions, uh, uh, and that's coming to the review stage from November the 4th until the 19th. And we'll also tell you about a book called Shag Carpet Action, and we'll find out what the heck that means. Megan will be here to do our regular books uh, feature. As well, we've got an interview with the Bar Brothers, which are coming to Vancouver on Tuesday with Little Scream. And get this, we want to give you free tickets to see uh, Little Scream and Bar Brothers. I've just I just pressed enter on the on the Twitter feed, so I'm letting everyone on Twitter know as well that uh, we're giving away a pair of tickets in about ten minutes or so to see Little Scream and the Bar Brothers at Electric Owl on Tuesday night for free. So get your dialing fingers uh, warmed up right now because we'll be giving tickets away to that in about ten minutes, so about 5.15, basically after we do the interview with them. Also, I'll tell you about Skins and Steel, which is a very interesting title for an event that celebrates uh, Afro-Caribbean culture in Vancouver and looks at its uh, history th- through this um, this live event, which features um, not just performances, but also archival footage from um, some CBC documentaries that really um, give you a really interesting insight into how um, that culture was perceived in a very waspy white Vancouver uh, in the 1950s. So we'll find out about how uh, times have changed and um, and, and uh, we get to celebrate. So that's coming on November 10th, by the way, November 10th and 11th, Skins and Steel, and it's coming to PAL. So we'll give you uh, lots more information on that later in the show. But uh, first, first up for you is uh, the Bar Brothers. So, uh, the Bar Brothers is a Montreal-based rock band featuring the eponymous siblings Andrew and Brad Barr, as well as harpist, yes, harpist, Sarah Paget. They are doing their first North American tour and are coming to Vancouver with Little Scream on Tuesday night. So I spoke to Brad and we talked about how it happened that a alt-blues folk rock band ended up with a harpist in their group, as well as how the city of Montreal has influenced the band. But first, we had to address something that's been getting a lot of media attention for them. It's their, the founding story of the band, the legend, if you will. You see, in 2003, the brothers were playing a gig in Montreal with their Boston-based band at the time, The Slip. A fire started in the venue, and everyone had to evacuate while they were doing their set. So then they ran outside uh, with everyone else, and uh, outside was uh, a waitress from uh, the bar, and she was huddled in the the pouring rain. So Andrew Barr, in an act of chivalry, gave her his jacket. But the story does not end there. Here's Brad. It's it's, it's absolutely 100% true, and in fact, it's not even embellished as much. The truth truth goes even further. Like, he... uh, you know, we, he met her. It was 2000, May of 2003. He met her, 
May of 2000, and didn't talk to her then for another year. May of 2004, we're heading back to the, to the same club. No, a different club to play, because the club we played actually did end up burning and not opening it again. Um, and a year later, he, he decides, I'm going to try and track that girl down. You know, he's single, finally, and, uh, and he called the club, and believe it or not, she answered the phone after... It was her first day back at work. Her first after, day. After first day back at work after a six month vacation, huh. she got she just tied her apron on, and was just about to start going back to work at this place after being gone for six months. And the phone rings. She picks it up, and someone's asking for her, and it was my brother. So, when huh. yeah, it's a it's a pretty romantic story. But uh, all to say, yeah, we we moved there in two thousand five, and you know, and then, and then I met Sarah who was my neighbor, who I, I just heard her playing harp through the walls. Yeah, and tell me uh, about that, because that's, um, you know, I hear a lot of uh, banging and clanging from my neighbors, which, you know, doesn't sound very nice, but uh, you had this beautiful harp music. You must have thought you were dying and going to heaven sometimes. Yeah, that's pretty accurate, yeah. Uh, especially <laughs> when, you're, when you're, you know, in a sort of mid-morning uh, dream state, you can really... <laughs> You can really incorporate it in a lot of ways. Um, and and why yeah, did you I think? Because because I understand that that eventually you you knocked on her door and 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 of course now she's in the band. What made what gave you the sort of inspiration to say this this would make a great added ingredient to our group? Um, I don't entirely remember, but my brother claims that I called him one day, one morning after one of these little morning dreams, and <laughs> and said and said, "Here's the group. It's you know guitar." drums, harp, and at that time we were playing with an upright bass player, and, uh, um, you know, this was, of course, after Sarah and I had, had had a few, you know, sessions just hanging out and playing music together, so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really a, a combination of, you know, just feeling inspired, feeling like everyone that we were, that sort of come into got, got it, and that I was inspired to play and write in this context. And so so um, was it sort of just a matter of jamming and, and seeing that, that it just did fit together? It just sort of meshed well? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah jamming and, um, and also, like, you know, around that time, you know, maybe after we'd been in Montreal for a couple of years, Andrew and I started working on this little studio, um... The uh, is uh, if you, we put out a little movie about the building of our studio, and it's uh, pretty true. We just sort of found this little dungeon of a room and turned it into our our you know, mostly soundproofed uh, uh, music room and got some mics and started recording with those guys. And yeah, just the, the whole process is you know the results were were really you know right in line with with where I was thinking and and the harp, of course. You know, a lot of the, the songs we were, I was writing were the more kind of, uh, I guess in the folk tradition, you know, an acoustic guitar, a sort of narrative or, you know, more lyrically based songs. But it also opened a lot of doors to, you know, a, a really rhythmic, percussive, melodic instrument, uh, you know, along the lines of, of some of the, the West African um, rhythms and, and tonalities that we had, that Andrew and I had, had come to love over the years so hmm. uh you know yeah it wasn't not just a sweet uh pretty instrument it's also a pretty ballsy um you know heavy trance trance like instrument at times hmm. interesting and how about the city of montreal because you know it has a a bilingual aspect and then of course it's it's been a, a musical hub in the last few years do you think it, that it's been uh, an ingredient in in the mix of of the bar brothers as well or do you think that no matter what city you um were in uh, it would have been the same uh no i i i you know owe a lot to montreal for for the sound of this band um you know whether whether it, it was just you know being inspired by the other musicians there and wanting to make a contribution and seeing a really nice you know, opportunity with with these people to make to you know make some great music and contribute, it, it is a really inspiring town and uh, and um, 
yeah, mostly on that. I mean, it's, it's hard to say in what ways one is uh, really inspired. You know, it could could just be a song you hear on the radio that day or something. But um, but it is a factor. As, but it is a factor that uh, there are so many great bands out there that, like you say, you you see these other groups and you think, man, I want to do I want to do something like that, or you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it was more like, you know, I tried quite a bit of train noise. Is that a train? Um, it, it sounds like that's music. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it, where it came from. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I like, Andrew and I have been playing music for so long, and, and moving up to Montreal was a nice sort of reprieve from the road and the constant, you know, lifestyle of that so it wasn't wasn't that we necessarily wanted to rock out on a huge stage it was more like we, we want to we want to give something back to the city for you know for giving us a great home and inspiring us with you know wonderful people um and you know and and as a writer it's just you know you just want to you want to you know you want some kind of a uh what is it uh a context for the songs and a, and a forum for them, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, ab- absolutely. The 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 other bands in Montreal are you know huge inspiration for for us. Even if it's just you know uh, being admirers of, of their music and, and wanting to wanting to share that kind of uh, artistic space with them. And just out of curiosity, what is uh, in your uh, iPod right now? What kind of things are you listening to? Um, let's see. Well, I am. I'm really. I'm a an iPod douche. I, I don't. I've got one, but I never <laughs> loaded up with any songs. I, I let. I let uh, the other guys uh, pick the tunes. Lately, we've been listening to a lot of Etta James and Ray Charles, um, and old soul music. Um, but let's see. Um, I've been really loving uh, Mississippi Fred McDowell lately. He's he's probably my favorite of the Delta Blues guys to listen to. Um, just really like intuitive songs that seem like they come come from such a uh, natural place of you know humanity. Um, is is that something and, you look for more than than a particular genre? Is just a certain kind of um, feeling that you get from the lyrics and 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 the music um, a certain uh, mood or a certain approach to the music that you can kind of feel is that is that what you look for? Yeah, to an extent. Uh, um, you know, I I mean, I I don't listen to a lot of like hardcore metal. I'm sure there's some stuff in there that I would that would uh, you know give me a similar feeling. But you know, I I generally try not to discriminate based on any styles of music. I'm pretty open to everything. Um, but there's stuff I'm I'm more familiar with than than left um but yeah and you know that sort of is uh sort of our mo also with, uh, with our record you know if you listen to our record it 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 could sound all over the place to you it's got you know some heavy some heavy electric blues on there it's got some west african pulsing trance stuff it's got you know some really sweet folk songs so on one hand, you know, it could be all over the place, but for me, there's a, there's like a kind of, there's a thread there, you know, being, these are all kind of heart, heart songs for me, and yeah, and I'm always looking, always listening for that, you know, you can't did, really, you know, sorry, did, did you say West African trance? Uh, well, yeah, I, yeah, I, um, I mean, the, uh, the Ganawa music of, uh, Morocco is, uh, I should say North African trance music, uh, the Ganawa music of North Africa is, uh, a huge inspiration to me. I mean, it's like nothing I'll ever fully understand, but it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And that's Brad Barr uh, clarifying that it's North African trance, not West African. I always get those two confused myself. Um, anyway, the Barb Brothers are coming to Vancouver on Tuesday along with Little Scream, and they will be at the Electric Owl, which is 928 Main Street, and we want to give you tickets to see them live. 
So we're going to take a commercial break. And in that break, we want you to dial this number, 604-822-2487. That's 604-822-2487. What else can I tell you about this show? It is, if you want to find out more, all you need to do is go to, where am I looking at? I'm at songkick.com. Just Google it. Just Google um, Little Scream, um, Bar Brothers, Electric Owl, and you will find out about that. I don't believe that there are tickets that you can buy online. But anyway, give us a call if you want to go there for free on Tuesday, November the 8th. Uh, The number is 604-822-2487, and we'll be right back with a review of the Sigur Ross uh, film, Eni. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the UBC Westside area at The Australian Boot Company, Banyan Books, The Bike Kitchen, The Eatery, Fresh's Best Salsa, Gargoyle's Grill, Gumdrops, Prussian Music, Rufus's Guitar Shop, and the UBC Bookstore. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To learn more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or check us out online at citr.ca. Wish Media Awareness a happy birthday. The 10th anniversary of Media Democracy Days Vancouver will run from November 11th to 13th. Media Democracy Days Vancouver will bring you free panel discussions, production workshops, and film screenings that will have you questioning the Canadian media landscape. All events are free to the public, but seating is limited and registration is encouraged. Complete programming details are available online at www.mediademocracydays.org. Tuesday, November 8th, Timber Productions Concerts is proud to present Real Estate at the Biltmore Cabaret. Doors are at 8 and the show will start at 9.30. Advanced tickets are available online at www.ticketweb.ca or you can get them at Red Cat, Scratch, High Life, Zulu and Ditch Records. Real Estate is a psych pop band on tour to support their upcoming new release, Days, and they'll be performing with guests Big Troubles. For more info, visit Real Estate's MySpace page, Big Troubles Bandcamp page, or search Facebook for Real Estate at the Biltmore Cabaret. And we are back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM, and we're streaming online at citr.ca. I want to congratulate Laura for getting snapping up those tickets to see uh, Little Scream and the Bar Brothers Tuesday night. That's November the 8th at Electric Owl. And definitely Google Electric Owl to check out all the events that they've got going on because they've got a very ambitious um, program uh, for since they opened up just uh, last month. So they're, they're really programming the hell out of that place. So there's tons to see and do there. So do check them out. It's Electric Owl. All right. So in the studio with me, I have Camille Kravchik. How are you doing, Camille? I'm pretty good. How are you? Did I not nail your last name? No, you did. Like, you're one of the only people that can actually pronounce it. Well, that's because I cheated. Yeah. I'm Polish. There so you go. <laughs> that explains it. All right, so uh, we're talking about a film that we're going to pronounce Eni. Yes. But God knows how uh, in Icelandic it's pronounced. But uh, this is a Sigur Ross film that's coming to the uh, Van City Theater. And uh, you have managed to snag an advanced copy and mm-hmm. got to review it. Is that correct? Yes, that is completely correct. So tell us first off, um, tell us a little bit about Sigur Ross, because I have to admit, I'm not a particularly a fan, but even I know that they're kind of important. They are a big deal. I mean, they've been around, uh, well, I should say that they're an Icelandic band, as we've already established, mm-hmm. but they were formed in 1994. They didn't actually release their first LP till 1997, but they've been, you know, together, they're a group of friends playing music, and uh, they've, they've been doing quite well. Uh, they are primarily a post-rock band, but they employ many other genres. Uh, for example, art rock and, I don't know, pop here and there. Mm-hmm. They are on hiatus currently, which kind of sucks, but hopefully they'll get back together soon. Wow. So wait a minute. They're on hiatus as in they have kind of split up? They're, they're together. They're just not doing anything about it. <laughs> I feel like so. this is turning into like a gossip thing. It's like, oh my God, are they together? <laughs> or, anyway. So what is this, this film, Eni? What is it about? Eni, uh, it's the band's second live album. It's okay. it's a two CD album and it has the DVD. 
Oh, when it comes out, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a it's a film that's well. They've had another one. They've had blah, blah, blah. this is their second live film after Haima, which is their oh, first okay. one. And uh, I li- I really like this one because it focuses on their performance rather than the band itself. It, it's centered Where, compared to the first one. Yeah, this one's centered around uh, their their live performance in London, mm-hmm. and it, it it's mostly the band playing. It's not you don't learn too much about the band. Whereas in Haima, it was. You you learned about the band, you learned their origins, you learned their their style, and it's a, it's a really nice change of pace. And is it a pretty straightforward just filming of the concert, or is there more to it than that? There's a bit more. There's there's segments of of the band, you know, in in regular situations, talking and and, and just being themselves. Mm-hmm. But the music, uh, the 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 film itself is primarily the band playing live. Right. So if you have this album and love it then you will probably enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what struck you uh, about this one? Um, I think it's extremely beautiful in the way they perform. Uh, it was really ethereal to observe them um, as part of the stage rather than being the entire stage, and you can really see how the audience is interacting with the band and how the band is really putting their entire effort into performing wonderful, wonderful music. And uh, it's really humbling because you expect bands to be... I mean, not all of them, but a lot of bands try to be big and and pompous and like, Mm. look at me, I'm a band, I'm making, you know, I'm famous. But with this album or with this film, you don't feel that. You feel that Sugar Ross is Sugar Ross. They're they're, they're people, not musicians. Hmm. Well, they are, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Interesting. And how does the film do that? Um, Like you say, it feels more like they're they're a part of the experience rather than just the experience. And, And I guess the film captures that somehow yeah and i think it's a big part a big part of it is the the, the directing itself um this was directed by um vincent morissette he's a he's from montreal he's a great director but the way he did it is it's completely black and white it's it plays with the contrast so the scenes are fuzzy lo-fi hmm. but there's rarely if ever a shot of a band member in in in, in full it's hmm. really really obscure kind of vagrant camera angles mm-hmm. and it's it's that feeling that you're not actually focusing on the entire on the band itself, but more on the music. Cool. And that's really really cool. And um, sh- uh, can people who are not uh, big Sugar Ross fans uh, do you think they'd get they'd enjoy it, or is this oh, mainly yeah. for like a hardcore audience? <laughs> well, <laughs> those hardcores. I I don't know many Sugar Ross fans apart from myself. <laughs> well, oh, there we go. And I know one more are. now. Yeah. There you go. Um, but two thirds of this studio is yeah exactly yeah. that's sixty six percent that's that's great sixty six point six six truncated <laughs> yeah. yeah so sorry yes the yes. anyone can enjoy well if you're a fan of post rock or art rock in general I'd highly recommend checking out Sugar Ross regardless if you've never heard of the band but that's surprising because you've probably heard of yeah. Sugar Ross you've just never heard them so mm-hmm. I would I recommend it to anybody who's into this kind of slow calming music uh, I mean. Even if you don't understand the language, it doesn't matter. It's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, another part of the mystery behind it. Exactly, yeah. The fact that you don't know it word for word perhaps adds adds to it. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, and so uh, Sigurás Ini uh, is coming to the Van City Theatre on Friday, November the 4th, as well as Saturday, November the 5th. Both days it is at 8.30 p.m., and uh, how much are ticket prices? Why don't I click and find out? You can go and do it the same way I did and go to uh, viff.org. Uh, what does it say here? Go to checkout. And ah, tickets are $11. Or if you are a student or senior with valid ID, you can get in for $9. Oh, and you have to buy a membership for two bucks. No. (laughs) Okay, well, that explains it. So, uh, yeah, check out the website, viff.org, for more info on uh, the film. And you can actually get the tickets uh, online, as I almost just did. Thanks, Camille, so much for for reviewing the film. No, not a problem. Awesome. So we are going to play a little bit of Sigur Ross. Anna, can you tell us uh, what... uh, Oh, fine, you're going to make me do it. (sighs) You're going to make me pronounce this? All right, this is Sigur Ross with... Ini mer singur vitle singur.
Jazz is a word that means many different things to many different people. The best definition of jazz that I know of is the jazz show on CITR with yours truly, Gavin Walker. Monday nights, 9 to midnight, with the jazz feature at 11 o'clock. Check us out every Monday. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at CITR.ca right now as well. Also available on uh, iPhones if you have a handy radio, uh, what is mine called, Tune In, Tune something. And uh, it's a great app because you can listen to uh, CITR no matter where you are. It does drain your battery though, as I learned um, very quickly yesterday (laughs) while listening to CITR at work, uh, which was sad. Anyway... Moving on, uh, let me quickly tell you what's on the rest of our show. Later, we'll still be telling you about Skins and Steel, a performance and and screening and just all-around um, live experience uh, that uh, looks into uh, Afro-Caribbean culture in Vancouver, particularly in the time of the mid-50s, a time when um, there was a lot of interest in that kind of... Um, I don't know how to put this, uh, that kind of, um, let's say exotic, uh, from, from a Western point of view, um, exotic uh, art form, but, um, but also maybe perhaps um, layers of discrimination as well. So we'll find out uh, about those layers uh, a bit later in the show. And we still have to tell you about Shag Carpet Action, which is a, quite a strange title, of a book by uh, Matthew Firth. And Megan will be here in our regular books segment to tell us about that. Oh, there's a launch for that today. Mm. Okay, I'll plug that later. But first, uh, Rumble's, Rumble Productions artistic producer Craig Hall is leaving the company for Calgary. But before he leaves, he's directing Snowman by Greg MacArthur. And here's a description of uh, the play. Denver and Marjorie are drifters who have found a routine. Find a town, find an apartment, get jobs, walk around, make friends, and stay for a month or a year before packing up and moving on. Over ten years, they've made their way up to a small Canadian town on the edge of the Glacial Shield where they meet and befriend Jude, a young gay man who was abandoned by his parents and has an affinity for German porn. When Jude finds a prehistoric body frozen in the glacier, everyone's lives begin to shift and thaw in unexpected ways. 
right? Interesting. This is apparently a comedy. Um, <laughs> now, 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 Craig did this show uh, with Rumble in 2003, so it's actually quite fitting that he's doing the same show um, when he's leaving uh, the company. So I asked him about that and about how they apparently rehearsed this play in Stanley Park. I asked him about what that's all about. But first, um, here is uh, Craig trying uh, his best to sum up the play in his own words. Sure, yeah. I uh, I directed the show the first time back in 2003 uh, for my former company, Section 8 Productions. It was presented by Rumble back then as part of their emerging arts showcase called The Young and the Restless. Uh, that was the world premiere of Snowman back then. And now I'm kind of uh, wrapping up. I, I then, since then, have taken over the uh, Rumble Productions back in 2006. And uh, now I'm about to step away from Rumble to head off to Calgary for a, a new job in Calgary. And it's kind of appropriate, I think, that uh, Snowman be my sort of swan song with Rumble, as it's, it was the way that I sort of came in hmm. to Rumble. And how do you yeah. uh, reflect back on your time with Rumble? Well, it's, you know, it's been six years, and we've done a lot of work that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, worked with a lot of great artists. Uh, Rumble's got a uh, part of Rumble's mission is to support emerging companies, so we've helped a lot of young companies uh, create, I think, their, their best works to date. And, uh, yeah, as I say, I'm very proud of all the work that we've done. Um, Rumble's a small company. We've, we do a sort of a couple of shows a year, but... Um, yeah, I, I think it, the, the company has sort of grown artistically since I've been there, and uh, yeah, it was a very rewarding six years. Hmm. All right, now tell me about uh, Snowman. For people who don't know, uh, aren't familiar with the story, can you tell me what, what it is? Oh, it's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's slightly complex. Uh, it's basically a, a story of uh, three loners who kind of end up find themselves in a tiny little town in uh, northern, northern Alberta. Uh, the tiny town situated on the edge of a glacial sheet, and they've all kind of are sort of stuck in a place in their lives, um, not really communicating with each other, not really moving forward. They're sort of, I guess you could say, frozen in, in, in place. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them, a young guy named Jude, finds a, a body that's starting to, uh, as, a gla- as a glacial sheet melts, this body is suddenly coming to the surface of this young boy. And he kind of, I guess, in some way identifies with it and falls in love with it. And uh, basically, this, this whole series of events happens where they, you know, everybody, everybody's got their separate agendas with this body. And it just sort of you know, starts their, their lives on sawing and starts fracturing them apart and sending them in, in different directions. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a very, it's a very sort of dark comedy. Um, I don't know what else to say. Well, there you go. That, that sums it up pretty well, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough show to describe. Well, you made, you made it easy, easy work of it. And in terms of what you as a director want to accentuate or emphasize, is, is there a particular theme or idea that you really want to hammer home? A theme or idea? Like, do you, just want to, do you just want it to have good acting and, and, and good staging? Or is there yeah, something beyond that that you, you know, really want? It's a storytelling piece, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a piece where the, the actors talk directly to the audience. Uh, that's, that's sort of Greg's signature style as a playwright. You know, there's no fourth wall. These, t- these actors are basically telling you a really great story of something that happened in their lives. It's a really great, really dark, really funny story. And it, it really, that's what we're trying to do is just kind of serve the, the storytelling in the piece, serve the script as best we can. Uh, I've hired uh, four fantastic actors for the show, so that kind of part's kind of taken care of. You know, I don't have to hold their hands. They're they're sort of seasoned pros who all actually have experience with Greg's work in particular and Greg's style of work. So we're just trying to elevate it a little bit, bring a little style into the design and so on, kind of in a way take it take it further than we were able to back in 2003. You know, mm. put the put the time and resources behind it that will actually give it the production that it deserves. And you're also, I understand, rehearsing in Stanley Park. Can you tell me what that is all about? Yeah, 
it's funny, our publicist has made, has made a lot about rehearsing in Stanley Park. That's just <laughs> kind of where we found ourselves. We found a, a sort of lovely room in Stanley Park. We, we had a conflict at our own rehearsal studio, so we had to go elsewhere to, uh, to find space. It, it, it started off very nicely, actually. We, we, you know, as I say, this, the, the sort of intimate nature of the storytelling in the piece, you want it to be like the, the actors are talking to like one other person as you're taking a stroll through the woods. And so we actually did a few exercises where we went out and had told each other the story of the piece while wandering through the woods. And I think it was a, it was a really nice kind of fun exercise that gave them a sense of, you know, just speaking a monologue is very different than uh, uh, all this sort of gesticulation and intimacy of, uh, of a very private story, you know. Mm-hmm. Is that something so you like to do uh, a lot with uh, your rehearsal process, is kind of just take it out of the box? Yeah, I think so. I think it helps. It helps them kind of. It makes you listen to the words, mm-hmm. right? Like you can you can stand up there and, and, and spew this text, no matter how lovely it or, or or sort of banal it might be. But if, as soon as you feel like you're talking to someone, it's very different. I mean, if you're in a scene with another actor, of course you're talking to someone. Mm-hmm. But in this kind of storytelling, in this sort of monologue and, and direct address storytelling, until you have someone to talk to. Uh, none of the words sort of make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in, in this type of work, that's for sure what we try to do is take it out of the theater, take it out of the box a little bit and, and understand what it is that we're doing before we try to put it into a theatrical setting. Hmm. Well, we've quickly run out of our time. Is there anything else you'd want to mention about uh, Snowman or, or anything else? No, I mean, we're, we're running down at the Arts Club Review stage. Uh, it's our first time in this venue, and I, I think it's a, it's a really beautiful, intimate little venue. And I think uh, Snowman seems to me to be the kind of show that non-theater goers might like. Oh, yeah? You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's just a type of piece, sort of high-style piece that is spoken in, in their language, if you know what I mean. It's right, not, like it doesn't try to be kind of lofty and abstract. No, and it and it's not. It's it's in our time. It's like it's a story that takes place now. That's uh, filled with people who are people that live now. Mm-hmm. It's not in another time or another place. It's it's a very current kind of real story about now. And that's Craig Hall telling us about Snowman. And that's coming to the review stage on Granville Island from November the fourth until the nineteenth. And uh, performances run Tuesday through to Sunday at 8 p.m. and Saturday at 2 p.m. Previews are November the 4th at 8 p.m. and the 5th at 2 p.m. Tickets start at $15 and are available from VancouverTix.com. Alrighty, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we will tell you about... Uh, This book called Shag Carpet Action by Matthew Firth. So stay with us. Now, the electric prunes for Vox, bringing you the exciting new sound of the Vox wah-wah pedal. Let the electric prunes demonstrate the difference. Play it prunes first without the wah-wah pedal. Now, listen to the difference when you push that Vox wah-wah pedal down. You can even make your guitar sound like a sitar. It's the now sound. It's what's happening. That's why the electric prunes, animals, Herman's Hermits, Paul Revere and the Raiders, Stones, the Seeds, are all using the Vox wah-wah pedal, and it works with any amplifier. If you're a professional musician or want to sound like one, get with the new Vox wah-wah pedal at your Vox dealer now. As demonstrated on Rumble Tone Radio Agogo, third Wednesdays from 3 till 5 p.m. here on CITR. Old or New Testament? I think the New Testament. The question is, Pilate, remember Pilate from the New Testament? What does Pilate? He fiddled well. Yeah, no, well, just a minute. Let me ask the question, then you can give me the answer, okay? Did Pilate want Jesus to be crucified? Yeah, uh, uh, Pontius Pilate washed his hands of it. So did he want him to be crucified? Yeah. No. No. 
No. Well, tune in every Friday afternoon, 3.30 to the night. Watch your watch, Well, find a good church. It'll help you. Hey, we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at CITR.ca. I'm Adam, and now it is time for books. Books, books, books. All right, and uh, Megan Thomas has filed a report for us to tell us about Shag Carpet Action Stories by Matthew Firth. There is going to be an event tonight, November the 2nd at 7 p.m. at Café Montmartre, Montmartre, uh, which is 4362 Main Street in Vancouver. And there will be books for sale, signings by the author, and uh, and more. So check that out tonight at Café Montmartre. I can't not pronounce it that way. It's the correct way. Uh, special guest, Jen Farrell. But anyway, here is Megan to tell us more about Shag Carpet Action. Hey, readers and readettes. This is Megan. I'm here for books. Today we have two Anvil Press releases, Shag Carpet Action, stories by Matthew Firth, and Exit, a novel by Nellie Arcan. So Shag Carpet Action is a series of non-linked stories by Matthew Firth. He uh, is a very bold, aggressive writer, and he really wants to shock you. Not for shock's sake, I think, but rather because he wants to open you very quickly to the ideas. So, I'm just flipping through. You can hear that. Now, some of the praise that he's gotten, um, my favorite is actually Jen Farrell. And uh, she's done The Devil You Know and Sugarbush and other stories, and she's another Anvil Press author. And Matt Firth is the literary incarnation of the boy your mama warned you about. These short stories, as tightly clenched as an angry fist, are not for the faint-hearted. Firth will probably never win any big prizes because he cock-punches the kind of pastoral, historical claptrap that passes for literature among wine-swilling book clubbers. Now, as someone who enjoys both wine and book clubs, I'm going to choose not to be offended by that. But what I will say is that she's right. These do pack a punch. And uh, even right off the bat with his first story, Action. She masturbates with an action figure, a Spider-Man about eight inches long, missing its arms. So it's pretty hardcore stuff, guys. Um, What I would say is that you get points of view that I haven't read before, and you don't always know exactly what the character is going to be um, who's speaking. So you get a description uh, that goes on for a while, especially in that first story, Action, um, and it's not until about halfway through that you realize who's actually giving the point of view. And so I really, really enjoyed this read. It's a fast read. It's got a lot of motion to it. So you're really going to enjoy it, especially if you're not easily offended by things like language. Um, His actual ideas are in no way really offensive. It's really just the hard, fast writing and the hard, fast vocabulary. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really entertaining. Um, And there's a lot of really great ideas and points of view in there. So Wine Swilling Book Clubbers, I think you're still going to enjoy it. Hipsters get a lot of slack in it. I think you're really going to enjoy it too. But hopefully they don't completely cut those people of their audience. So our next book, now this is also from Anvil Press. It is uh, currently a finalist for the Governor General Awards and those should be announced mid-November. So, you know, keep your ear tuned to books for more on that. But what it is, it's uh, actually been nominated for translation. So it was translated by local David Scott Hamilton. The original title, and I apologize in advance for butchering this, Paradis Clafamé translates to Paradise Turnkey. So it is actually the story of a woman who has gone to an institution, an organization that provides suicides. These are not for people who have some sort of uh, sickness or injury or the, the elderly. This is purely for people who have the sense of ennui, I guess you could say, that's so developed that they literally no longer want to live. And it is still suicide, but it is it is assisted suicide for sure. It's a very powerful and very poetic book. It's hard to read. Not like Matthew Firth, which is hard and fast. This is slow and descriptive and morose and beautiful. What makes this even more poignant, this novel, um, or perhaps even more terrifying, is that... It was completed only a few days before the author, Nellie Arcan, took her own life in 2009 at the age of 36. 
I guess because it's nominated for translation, we should talk about the translation. Um, it very much comes across as something that has a very distinct voice. It seems that David Scott Hamilton really did a great job with translating her voice, hence the uh, Governor General nomination. So uh, I would really recommend this. It is not a fast read. It is not something to be taken lightly. I don't read it on the bus. It's something to really sit down over an afternoon and and contemplate um, because it's quite um, quite stark, the book. And as I said, beautiful. So that's Exit, a novel by Nellie Arcan, translated by David Scott Hamilton. If you're interested in reading it in the original French, um, it's, it is set in Montreal. Uh, look out for Paradis Clafonme. And we also have Shag Carpet Action, stories by Matthew Firth. Now, uh, Shag Carpet Action, stories by Matthew Firth, with special guest Jen Farrell, who provided that excellent uh, review on the back of his book. They're actually going to be doing an event tonight. Uh, so that's Wednesday, November 2nd, 7 o'clock p.m. at Café Montmartre. Um, that's uh, on Main Street. It's going to be signs by the authors. They're going to do a little reading. So as soon as you're done listening to the arts report, get on down to Café Montmartre and go and meet Matthew Firth. And tell him that he swears too much. A lot of swearing in that, Matthew. Okay? Let's tone it down a bit. Okay, and that's uh, Megan Thomas. Um, and I'll remind you again to check out... Uh, Check out the book launch for Shag Carpet Action, uh, which is happening at Café Montmartre. I still can't, uh, anyway, um, which is uh, 4362 Main Street in Vancouver, and it begins at 7 p.m. So very soon. So check that out. And there's books being signed and all kinds of uh, fun stuff happening there. All right, we've got one more feature uh, for you on the Art Support. If you've missed any of the features we've had today, you will be able to get the podcast in about uh, two hours or so. Um, so you can check it out there. Just go to citr.ca and follow the links from shows to podcasts and then a uh, Art Support, and you will get it there. Okay, now PAL Studio Theatre Society is working on a unique event. Oh, we don't have a clip. All right, we're going to take a quick break and make sure that we have uh, everything in order uh, because we do have one more feature to tell you, and it's called Skins and Steel. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. on the art support. Uh, sorry about that uh, little um, error there. We have everything in working order now, and we want to tell you about um, PAL Studio Theatre Society, who 
is working on a unique event called Skins and Steel, a Pioneers of Performance Cabaret featuring Afro, featuring the Afro-Caribs. And this will feature performances as well as a screening of archival footage from CBC documentaries about Afro-Caribbean culture in Vancouver in the 1950s. Uh, it was made in the 1950s. Vanessa Richards was a little girl in one of those documentaries. She is an interdisciplinary artist now here in Vancouver, and she is coordinating this event, which will feature her and her fa- father, Rudy Richards performing, and Rudy was uh, a subject of, of uh, some of those documentaries in the 1950s. So, in our interview, we got talking about attitudes toward Afro culture in Vancouver at the time. But first, here is Vanessa telling us how this event got started. Jane Heyman invited me to look at this uh, cabaret as an opportunity. She said, you know, we've got a Pioneers of Cabaret series, we've got three different shows in the series and I wonder if you would look at something around multiculturalism and I said yeah I'd love to do that and then I started and she was thinking particularly about people of color and I started it's a pretty big topic in some ways even in a city like Vancouver Mm -hmm. and uh, I started to whittle it down and whittle it down until I was like you know what I think my father's story is pretty darn interesting and Actually, when you called me, I was looking at a CBC footage of a television series they had called Heritage, mm-hmm. and um, Eleanor Collins was the singer, and Delma Gibson and her brothers are in this, and it's a story about a black church in Edmonton. And there's all these personal histories that the CBC archives have that are pretty fascinating, and um, my family also was in that Heritage series, and it was a one show called And They Too Shall Be One Flesh. It was about interracial, so-called interracial marriages uh, and people's opinions of them Mm -hmm. at that time. And it featured my father and his mates drumming and dancing and myself as a child and my brother as a child grocery shopping (laughs) 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 with our parents. And um, it's a pretty pretty rich trove of stuff they've got. So I'm going to be showing... Um, the documentary that my parents were featured in. I'll be showing another CBC archive from the show Bambula, mm-hmm. which uh, Eleanor Collins was the guest star in that, and again, Thelma and her brothers, um, uh, Len Gibson and Chick Gibson, were featured as dancers. And, I mean, there was other dancers in that show because there wasn't a lot of black folks in the city dancing at that period. Mm-hmm. They had people of European descent in blackface, which at the time in 1954 was straight make it happen kind of attitude, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's really interesting to see the differences and then and then the videotape or the, the film that I have that I'll be showing to you like, to see what's changed around um, people's attitude on race mixing, if you will. Mm-hmm. I like to say that it always reminds me of a bread mixer. <laughs> and um, and then you'll see my father dancing this pretty incredible folk dance. The dance, it's a snake dance, the mm-hmm. dance of Yandalu, which is like a snake god. And um, he won't be dancing on the, the 10th and 11th, but they'll be singing and they'll be drumming. And um, I'll sing with my father. And Thelma will also be singing. And... Um, yeah, it'll be kind of, I think it'll be kind of remarkable to look at these artists 50 years ago. I'm really interested in just the great contributions that artists make every day, whether or not they've become celebrities. Uh, and I think there's a real integrity to that. And so what I'm hoping people will experience was is not only a piece of Vancouver history and, and likely one that they may not have been parlayed to, or they may have, because at that time in the 50s and 60s, there was a whole kind of Caribbean explosion, and particularly around dance, there was a choreographer, Catherine Dunham, who went on to do really, really great work in advancing work, uh, dances of the African diaspora into contemporary dance, and she Mm. took the main stage all over the world with these kinds of dances, so that was the culture the sort of um, cultural culture of the time. And, you know, with Harry Belafonte and the Calypso craze of the time, mm-hmm. people had a, had a listening for it. 
Right, they had an open mind to, to that kind of stuff, which actually maybe surprises me a little bit because, uh, you know, you were talking about the, the blackface, for example, and it makes me, I mean, that that fits the stereotype of, you know, the 1950s, you know, that it was yeah. it was a time that it was much more sort of racist and, and homogenous as, in terms mm-hmm. of a society. Uh, but, but you're saying that actually there was a sort of um, cultural awakening or, or a, a bigger interest in... Well, I think it was probably mixed. Mm-hmm. I think there was probably a healthy dose of exoticization and otherness. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, I kind of always hold my breath when I look at this videotape of my father dancing. And the one of the things my mother told me at the time when they were shooting that was, you know, the hypersexualization of the black male was has been well in place for hundreds of years now. So my mother, as a woman of European descent, what the people said to her watching my father dance Mm -hmm. and all the implications that that had in terms of uh, sexual prowess for people at the time, my mother was pretty disturbed by some Mm -hmm. of the things that were said to her that day particularly. But at the same time, you know, um, the civil rights movement and the folk music movement, there was this growing appreciation for the work, the artwork of common people. And I think that Pete Seeger and the civil rights songs of the civil rights movement really helped validate some things that perhaps people thought as quaint before or mm-hmm. or not as worldly as the more sophisticated kinds of arts. Hmm, I don't mean sophisticated like that. I mean the kind of uh, you know how it's typical for some people to maybe class maybe like art. higher higher status forms yes. you know like yes. ballet or something people think oh that's that's a, a you know a, a fancy form of artwork or art yes. compared to something else so i think there was there was there was an opening for for equity around the value of common people's making remarkable work in those days too right so I think it was a bit of a mix and blend from what I've read in terms of like uh, and around ethnomusicology and what I've heard from my family and I wasn't there at the time and also um, hi- hypothesizing on what I understand about people and, and especially people's dominant cultures relationship to exotic other kinds of cultures you know mm-hmm. yeah that so, is very interesting Mm-hmm. And you know, with the Vancouver stuff, it's so it's so wild because they ask the man on the street, they're like, "Would you let your daughter? Would you let in that 1960s voice? <laughs> would you let your daughter marry an Oriental or colored man?" <laughs> and um, people have some very different things to say about that. And I'll tell you what: one one of my favorites is, "Well, there's an old fellow on the street. Well, yeah, I think I would. You know, if there was true love there, if there was really true love." Yeah, yes, I think I would. Aww. Well, as long as they didn't have children. <laughs> so true love is so important, but they can't have kids. Yeah. Oh, my and God. And so, you know, my work as an artist, uh, I've always been pretty fascinated with this idea of identity politics for all peoples. Like, I find everybody's personal history and the legacy of their families and how each family's traveled all over the globe to arrive wherever they've got arrived pretty darn interesting mm-hmm. but uh, in my case being a person of mixed ancestry there's a couple of popular myths that don't really suit me and one of them is the tragic mulatto and that was what what a lot of the concern at the time was and continues to be a concern hmm. for some people well they won't know who they are and in my experience, and I know there are, I, you know, I know personally people that have had uh, difficulty finding a place for themselves in their minds or in their experiences that they encounter. But I know quite a few others who have not, and myself, I haven't had <laughs> great difficulty um, placing myself in the world. And I always feel pretty proud of my parents for how they managed to share their own cultures of, you know, Austrian and Viennese and Trinidadian and and Canadian cultures Mm -hmm. and values and traditions in our home and um, in our homes afterwards. And so 
I think it's just kind of interesting to look at how the role of culture brings people to cities. Like, there's artists right now in our city who have come here to pursue their artwork from any number of places. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's a mobilizing force over the planet. And it's not unlike the bards of, of old and, you know, the troops of yesteryear. And I mm-hmm. find it kind of a, a beautiful history to get here. And that's Vanessa Richards telling us about Skins and Steel, Caribbean drums and dance in Vancouver since the 1950s, recollections and performances by the Afro-Caribs with Thelma Gibson, Kenrick Headley, and Vanessa Richards. So that's coming November 10th and 11th at 8 p.m. on both nights, and it is $10. And you can get more information by going to... Where did I go to? Oh, you can go to brownpapertickets.com. Brownpapertickets.com, you can find out there. Or if you just Google um, Skins and Steel, you can also find more information on the PAL website. PAL Studio Theatre is at 581 Cardero Street, just sort of on the edge of the West End, almost at uh, Stanley Park there. So check that out on uh, November the 10th and 11th. At 8 p.m. All right. Well, we've gone into overtime. Uh, I feel like this is a hockey game or something. Uh, we're into overtime, so Real to Real will not be uh, on tonight. November 16th. Oh, Real to Real, Anna tells me, is away until November the 16th. Okay. Good to know. And so we're going to leave you with a little bit of uh, music, but not just any music. Um, there is a show coming to the Pit Pub here on the UBC campus on November the 3rd, and it's only five bucks, and will feature four local bands, Whiskey Chief, Cornshed, uh, Name Unheard, and Tiger Prawn. So that's uh, four local bands for five bucks. That's a very good deal. That's uh, $1.25 per band. So... That's a steal of a deal, really. And uh, oh, there's doors are at 8.30, and the show begins at 9, 9 o'clock. So check out the Pit Pub tomorrow. Uh, sorry, on the, the 3rd, November the 3rd is tomorrow. Yes, check them out tomorrow. So we're going to leave you with a song from one of those bands, and that is Whiskey Chief. And this track is called Trial by Fire. And um, so for uh, Anna and Camille and myself, Adam Janusz, uh, thank you for listening to this week's Arts Report and catch us back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. for another fix of arts and culture news and interviews here on CITR 101.9 FM and online at citr.ca. Bye-bye.
Tuesday, November 8th, Timber presents Holy Ghost at the Fortune Sound Club. This dance music duo from New York City are on tour to support their debut self-titled release, Holy Ghost. Tickets are available online at ticketweb.ca, as well as at Red Cat, Scratch, Beat Street, High Life, and Ditch Records. Don't miss Holy Ghost at the Fortune Sound Club, Tuesday, November 8th. Holy Ghost is brought to you by Timber and proudly sponsored by CITR. CITR.